Chapter Six of The Devil's Paw by E. Phillips Oppenheim. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Tom Weiss, Tom's Audiobooks.com. Chapter Six. Julian entered the drawing room hurriedly a few minutes later. He glanced around quickly, conscious of a distinct feeling of disappointment. His mother, who was arranging a bridge table, called him over to her side. "'You have the air, my boy, of missing someone,' she remarked with a smile. "'I want particularly to speak to Miss Abbeway,' he confided. Lady Maltenby smiled tolerantly. "'After nearly two hours of conversation at dinner. Well, I won't keep you in suspense.' She wanted a quiet place to write some letters, so I sent her into the boudoir. Julian hastened off with a word of thanks. The boudoir was a small room opening from the suite, which had been given to the princess and her niece a quaint, almost circular apartment, hung with faded blue Chinese silk and furnished with fragments of the Louis Seize period, a rosewood cabinet in particular, which had come from Versailles and which was always associated in Julian's mind with the faint fragrance of two Sevres jars of dried rose-leaves. The door opened almost noiselessly. Catherine, who was seated before a small ebony writing-table, turned her head at his entrance. "'You!' she exclaimed. Julian listened for a moment, and then closed the door. She sat watching him with the pen still in her fingers. "'Miss Abbeway,' he said, "'have you heard any news this evening?' The pen which she had been tapping the table was suddenly motionless. She turned a little farther around. A news, she repeated. No, is there any? A man was caught upon the marshes this morning and shot an hour ago. They say that he was a spy. She sat as though turned to stone. Well? The military police are still hunting for his companion. They are now searching the garage here to see if they can find a small gray coupe car. This time she remained speechless, but all those ill-defined fears which had gathered in his heart seemed suddenly to come to a head. Her appearance had changed curiously during the last hour. There was a hunted, almost a desperate gleam in her eyes, a drawn look about her mouth as she sat looking at him. "'How do you know this?' she asked. "'The colonel of the regiment stationed here has just arrived. He is down in the garage now with my father.' "'Shot,' she murmured must do i want to help you he continued her eyes questioned him almost fiercely you are sure i am sure you know what it means i do how did you guess the truth i remembered your mouth he told her i saw your car last night and i traced it up the avenue this morning a mouth isn't much to go by she observed with a very wan smile it happens to be your mouth he replied she rose to her feet and stood for a moment as though listening. Then she thrust her hand down into the bosom of her gown and produced a small roll of paper wrapped in a sheet of oilskin. He took it from her at once and slipped it into the breast pocket of his coat. "'You understand what you were doing?' she persisted. "'Perfectly,' he replied. She crossed the room towards the hearthrug and stood there for a moment, leaning against the mantelpiece. "'Is there anything else I can do?' he asked. She turned around. There was a wonderful change in her face. "'No one saw me,' she said. "'I do not think that there is anyone but you who could positively identify the car. Neither my aunt nor the maid who was with us has any idea that I left my room last night. Your clothes? 
absolutely destroyed she assured him with a smile some day i hope i'll find courage to ask whether you thought them becoming some day he retorted a little grimly i am going to have a very serious talk with you miss abbeway shall you be very stern he made no response to her lighter mood the appeal in her eyes left him colder than ever i wish to save your life he declared and i mean to do it at the same time i cannot forget your crime or my complicity in it if you feel like that then she said a little defiantly tell the truth i knew the risk i was running i am not afraid even now you can give me back those papers if you like i can assure you that the person on whom they are found will undoubtedly be shot then i shall certainly retain possession of them he decided you are very chivalrous sir she ventured smiling i happen to be only selfish julian replied i even despise myself for what i am doing i am turning traitor myself simply because i could not bear the thought of what might happen to you if you were discovered you like me then a little mr orden she asked twenty-four hours ago he sighed i had hoped to answer that question before it was asked this is very tantalizing she murmured you are going to save my life then and afterwards treat me as though i were a leper i shall hope he said that you may have explanations that i may find she held out her hand and stopped him once more for a moment her eyes were distended her form was tense she was listening intently there is someone coming she whispered two or three men i think what fools we have been we ought to have decided about the car her teeth came together for a moment it was her supreme effort at self-control then she laughed almost naturally lit a cigarette and seated herself upon the arm of an easy chair you are interfering shockingly with my correspondence she declared and i am sure that they want you for bridge here comes lord maltenby to tell you so she added glancing towards the door lord maltenby was very pompous very stiff and yet apologetic he considered the whole affair in which he had become involved ridiculous uh, miss abbeway he said i beg to present to you colonel henderson an unfortunate occurrence took place here last night which it has become the duty of er colonel henderson to clear up he wishes to ask you a question concerning er a motor-car colonel henderson frowned he stepped a little forward with the air of wishing to exclude the earl from further speech may i ask miss abbeway he began whether the small coupe car standing about a hundred yards down the back avenue is yours it is she assented with a little sigh it won't go it won't go the colonel repeated i thought you might know something about cars she explained they tell me that two of the sparking plugs are cracked i am thinking of replacing them to-morrow morning if i can get mr orden to help me how long has the car been there in its present condition then the colonel inquired since about five o'clock yesterday afternoon she replied you don't think it possible that it could have been out on the road anywhere last night then out on the road she laughed why i couldn't get it up to the garage you go and look at it colonel if you understand cars fellows the chauffeur here had a look at the plugs when i brought it in and you'll find that they haven't been touched i trust the earl intervened that my chauffeur offered to do what was necessary uh, certainly he did lord maltenby she assured him i am trying hard to be my own mechanic though and i have set my mind on changing those plugs myself to-morrow morning you are your own chauffeur then miss abbeway her inquisitor asked absolutely you can change a wheel perhaps 
theoretically i can but as a matter of fact i have never had to do it your tires colonel henderson continued are of somewhat unusual pattern they are russian she told him i bought them for that reason as a matter of fact they are very good tires miss abbeway the colonel said i don't know whether you are aware that my police are in search of a spy who was reported to have escaped from the marshes last night in a small motor-car which was left at a certain spot in the Salthouse Road. I do not believe that there are two tires such as yours in Norfolk. How do you account for their imprint being clearly visible along the road to a certain spot near Salthouse? My police have taken traces of them this morning. Catherine remained perfectly speechless. A slow smile of triumph dawned upon her accuser's lips. Lord Maltenby's eyebrows were upraised as though in horror. Perhaps, Julian interposed, I can explain the tire marks upon the road. Miss Abbeway drove me down to Furley's cottage, where I spent the night, late in the afternoon. The marks were still there when I returned this morning, because I noticed them. The same marks? the colonel asked, frowning. Without a doubt the same marks, Julian replied. In one place where we skidded a little, I recognized them. Colonel Henderson smiled a little more naturally. I begin to have hopes, he acknowledged frankly, that I have been drawn into another mare's nest. Nevertheless, I am bound to ask you this question, Miss Abbeway. Did you leave your room at all during last night? Not unless I walked in my sleep, she answered. But you had better make inquiries of my aunt and Parkins, our maid. They sleep one on either side of me. You would not object, the colonel continued more cheerfully still, if my people thought well to have your things searched? not in the least catherine replied coolly only if you unpack my trunks i beg that you will allow my maid to fold and unfold my clothes i do not think colonel henderson said to lord maltenby that i have any more questions to ask miss abbeway at present in which case we will return to the drawing-room the earl suggested a little stiffly miss abbeway you will i trust accept my apologies for our intrusion upon you i regret that any guest of mine should have been subjected to a suspicion so outrageous catherine laughed softly not outrageous really dear lord maltenby she said i do not quite know of what i have been suspected but i am sure colonel henderson would not have asked me these questions if it had not been his duty if you had not been a guest in this house miss abbeway the colonel assured her with some dignity i should have had you arrested first and questioned afterwards you come of a race of men colonel henderson who win wars she declared graciously you know your own mind you will be joining us presently i hope lord maltenby inquired from the door in a very few minutes she promised the door closed behind them catherine waited for a moment then she sank a little hysterically into a chair i cannot avoid a touch of melodrama you see she confessed it goes with my character and nationality but seriously, now that it is over, I do not consider myself in the slightest danger. The poor fellow who was shot this morning belongs to a different order of people. He has been a spy over here since the beginning of the war. And what are you? he asked bluntly. She laughed up in his face. A quite attractive young woman, she declared. At least I feel sure you would think so when you know me better. End of chapter 6 Recording by Tom Weiss Tom's audiobooks dot com